So I'm going to open up here in a word of prayer here in a second. We're going to be in Philippians 4. We're going to spend most of our time today. So I'll give you a, check, a chance to get to Philippians 4, but let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this word that you have. And Lord, I pray that you minister it through me and it has the impact on all of us, including me, that you have, that you desire it to have. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to start off with one of those verses that, that's kind of funny. People don't use bumper stickers as much as they used to, but it used to be a Christian bumper sticker kind of verse, or it's a Christian t-shirt kind of verse. It's a, it's a, it's one of those verses that we have on your bookmark or whatever. Philippians 4.19, it's one of our favorites. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We love that verse, don't we? I'm going to read it again. Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And that is a wonderful promise. Right now we have, everybody knows, we have inflation. We have, like Eddie was just saying, we, it's, it's, a, it's a rough time right now in our country. Very easy to get discouraged. Very easy to think, where do I look to for hope? Uh, what, what's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with inflation? How am I going to meet my needs? Uh, and there's a lot of people that, hey, cost of living has gone up and their salary has not. Or maybe the salary has, it might only be temporary. You don't know. A lot of uncertainty. And you can say, well, where am I, where am I going to look for my hope? You could say, well, I'll, I'll look to the government, or I'll look to a new job, or I'll listen to what the economists are saying. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll trust the Federal Reserve is going to fix things. Maybe these midterm elections will fix everything. You can have all those hopes. But in all sincerity, it's a little hard to find hope right now looking around our country. How much better is it to say, God's going to meet all of my needs? That's a lot more encouraging, Almighty God saying that, than anybody else saying that. And if that's where, so, so well, hey, great, great message there, Jason, you know. What a great promise, and let's we can go home, be happy, and be all encouraged. God's going to meet my needs according to his riches and glory. But that verse doesn't just exist by itself. It's in context with, with the entire book of the Bible. And it's fun at times to pick out a verse and say, I'm going to claim that promise, and that's going to make me, I'm so encouraged because I'm claiming that promise. And then you say, why is that promise there? What's the context of it? How do I get to where that promise is? So why did Paul, why does Paul write that to the Philippians in the first place? Why is he saying this? Well, what's, as if, you, if you've ever heard me speak before, you know how much I love context. So we're going to read it in context. So I'm going to start in verse 15. Actually, I'm going to give you more context than that. So Paul is writing to the Philippians, and then here in chapter 4, in just a note, make sure everybody realizes chapters and verses were added later on to be able to navigate through these large writings. When Paul wrote this, he did not put chapters and verses. It would have, he wrote a letter to the church. So these were, uh, these chapters and verses were added in later on. So it's 
when you pick something to read, it's important to try to pick the full ideal as much as you can. Get the full paragraph, get the full concept, not just pick and choose what you want. So to get the context, so he's writing them, thanking them for a gift that they've sent him because the Philippians supported Paul even when he wasn't in Philippi. He's going to other places, and they're still supporting him, still giving him, uh, sending him gifts, sending him money, and helping him to do ministry. So Philippians 4.15 says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. And it's interesting, he calls giving a matter of giving and receiving. That when you give to the gospel, there's something you receive back. And he's telling the Philippians, you're the only church that stuck with me in those early days and helped support me. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Yes, I had to look up how to pronounce that yesterday. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So what's the context of this promise? They've been giving. They've been supporting. They've been supporting the gospel. Now they can claim, Paul can write to them and say, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, Christ Jesus. So it's not just a verse I can just grab onto and say, well, God's going to meet all my needs. Wait, there's, there's something I have to act on. That promise is for those that are supporting the gospel, giving, supporting the gospel. God meeting their needs was tied to their faithful giving. And Paul encourages them to keep giving. Is it because he wants more? No. It's because he says, I want more to be credited to your account. Paul has, is giving them this concept of this giving and receiving. Your giving is going to cause you to receive. God's going to bless you because of what you're doing, and I want to see you blessed more, so I'm going to encourage you to give and support the gospel. Not because he wanted something from them, because he wanted something for them. And I will tell you, I approach this message carefully because we're not a church that focuses on money. Never have been. We're not a money-driven church. We're not in it for the money. Never been that kind of church. I don't think we ever will be. Hopefully not. I can't imagine us being, actually. really can't. Uh, that's, that's, that's so foreign from our mindset of church, is to not be all about money. But we do preach the Word, and the Word does include this. includes giving and receiving. And I want to see... People here blessed. 
I, I, I like, I love this. I read this and Paul's like, I, I'm encouraging you to keep giving because I want to see you blessed even more. And I love that heart. I love that. So I want to tell you a little bit though. I want to share some things with you because I want to answer a question. Is this real? Does this really work? Does God actually meet our needs when we have them? So I want to share some my own life experience. Keevan was talking, uh, preached last week about sharing testimonies. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow what I'm going to follow along with what you gave us last week, Keevan. I want to share some testimonies. So. I have had a whole series, and this is not even a comprehensive list. I have had a, a series of events in my life where I've just watched God provide to the point that sometimes I take it for granted, and that's not good. I need to share these things. I don't need to keep them to myself. So back when we lived in Louisville, before we moved here to Evansville, we're selling our house. I was a teenager at the time, so I'm living with my parents. And I asked them before if I could share some of these because the story is about them too, and they were very supportive. Uh, so I'm a teenager. It's 1997. We're going to move here to Evansville, and the 97 flood hits. A huge flood that had hit here. It hit Evansville, but it hit Louisville quite a bit harder. And when your backyard ends at one of the city's main drainage ditches, you're going to get flooded a lot. So we're two days away from closing on selling the house. I say we, I was a teenager, my parents are. Two days away from selling the house, closing on it, and flooded, entire neighborhood flooded. What do you do? I mean, you could easily panic. You could easily say, what are we going to do? The buyers understandably backed out. Who could blame them? They didn't buy that flooded house. They, they agreed to buy the house when it was in good condition, not flooded. We pray about it. That's what we did as a family. My, my parents raised me with, you tithe, and you, and you trust God. He's going to meet your needs. So I was raised. And I watched it happen over and over again. What are we going to do with this house? Thankfully, my dad had a job here, and he had an apartment here. So we're thankful, hey, we have a place to go at least. We can go to the apartment that dad has here, but what are we going to do with this house? What happens? A contractor comes and says, my mom lives two doors down from you, and I'm remodeling her house. I own my own contracting company. I'm going to fix her house, and I would love to be able to move and be close by her and take care of her. Oh, we... Uh, you guys still selling your house? Uh, yes, yes, it is for sale. Actually, he's like, I don't mind. I, I'll I'll sort it out with the insurance company. I got my own contracting company. I'll fix it up the way I want. We come out a thousand dollars ahead of what we were going to be when we were going to close originally. Extra, yeah. And he's happy because he got a place where he could take, keep an eye on his mom, take care of her. God met those needs. And he multitasks, too. He meets multiple needs through the same event. So a few years down the road, it's time for me to go to college. And my mom was praying, and uh, I appreciate her you know, even being willing to share this. She's saying, God, I don't have any way to send my son to college. I, don't have, any mo- I have a son to send through college. What am I going to do? And he stopped her and says, I have a son to send to college. 
I ended up with part-time job at seminary, going full-time to USI, and got scholarships. I had my needs met. I had money for books. I had money for tuition. I bought a nice little used car. I had my needs provided for. I graduated from college, no student loans, debt-free. And I, I would, you know, I'd love to tell you, I could, I could make a, here's how you succeed, my 12 steps to how you succeed. I didn't do that. I was an 18-year-old kid. I didn't, I didn't have that figured out. I you know, applied scholarships like you're supposed I did some things you're supposed to do, but God opened up those doors and provided that job, provided those scholarships, provided things just when I needed them to cover books and things. And I look back on it and like, how was I... I appreciated it at the time, but now I look back as a more mature adult and go, how was I not just absolutely floored and praising God of what he did? I, you know, I almost took it for granted because it was such, it was such, it was almost an expectation, a childlike faith. Well, yeah, of course he did that. Let me tell you another thing. So this was several years ago. It was after college, but... Still, at my, I'm at my parents' house. Times are tough. My dad was out of work for a while. We're, things are kind of are, are tough, and the roof starts leaking. We don't have a way to fix the roof. We don't have money to fix the roof. And my mom had been praying. We had where our house was. There's some trees behind it, and she was praying, saying, "Oh Lord, please don't let this a tree fall on our house. We can't afford, you know, that dangerous, and we can't afford it." And she she's felt the Lord say, am I not God? And stopped her from praying. Okay. What happens? A tree falls on our house. Yeah. Well, what did an insurance guy comes out and it's like, yeah, that main part of that tree missed your house and multiple branches punched multiple holes. We're, we're going to have to get you a whole new roof over the whole, whole thing. Oh, yeah, we'll fix that leak too and the, while we're at it. Provided for, paid for. At the point, you're just like, I need to let God do what He knows what He, he knows what He's doing. I need we need to just let Him do this. Yeah. So after those kinds of things, I could go on, but this illustrates the point well enough. I've grown up watching God provide and provide and provide. And yeah, there's still tr- stressful times. There's times. My dad was out of work for a while, and we had in. But we, we were. Ta- Mom and I were talking on the phone yesterday. We always had food to eat. We always had our needs met. We always had shelter. We had food. We God provided for us. Um, Tracy's just gone through a job transition. I knew, and she's understanding. And she's un, you know she's transitioning through a job. I had this peace. I'm like, we're feeling like God's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show off a little bit. I'm like, okay. Got a new job making more money, less stress. I'm so thankful for that. Ah. But see, it's not it's not it's not me bragging, it's me bragging about God, how great he is. So I hope you walk away not thinking, well, Jason's had a lot of things. I hope you walk away thinking, wow, God, I'm encouraged because God meets people's needs. You gotta testify about it, otherwise people don't know about it. If we never talk about it, people don't know that it's real. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in a book. Is it real? It's real. 
But those testimonies are connected to a lifestyle that how I was raised of you tithe and you give and you enjoy doing that. You enjoy supporting. You give to missionaries. You give to the church, and it's a joy. You're doing things for the Lord. That's it's a it's a positive thing. So let me give some background here, some more scripture on. I want to drive the point home. I want to give you the positive of it. I want to give you the positive of yes, God blesses, but I also we can't just talk about the positive. God talk about the negative side too. If we don't, if we're not faithful in giving to the Lord. So I'm going to Malachi chapter three. Who's Malachi? What what is that? So it's the last book in the Old Testament. And it's in a group of prophets that are talking to Israel, talking to the people of Israel. And they'd been taken away in captivity for 70 years. And then God provides for them to come back to their homeland. It's okay. And so God provides for them to come back to their homeland. And Malachi, along with several of these other prophets and books, are about their restoration. There's, there's, restor- there's restoring the temple, and there's restoring the city walls, and you walk through this pretty long process of them restoring a nation. They were wiped out as a nation, carried away into captivity, and God overthrows the Babylonian Empire with the, with the Persian Empire, and they get to come back to their land. And it, it's one of these Bible trivia things that just kind of blows my mind. They're in captivity for 70 years. You think, wow, that's a long time. And then you start realizing when they came back to their land, it took them like 80 years to get their act together and actually do what God told them to do. And it took them longer to get things back in order than it was when they were in captivity. So in this process, God has to kind of, some of these books, he has to scold them a little bit and say, you need to get this together. I brought you back to your land, and you need to get things in order. So Malachi is one of those prophets. And so in chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 7. He says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. So God's a little frustrated. Like all these, this century after century, he's worked with the children of Israel, and he's like, you're doing it again. Like I've, now I've brought you back, and you're still, not, you're still not doing what I told you to do. Still in verse 7, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask... How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? See, God's kind of giving a back and forth. He's like, this is what you're saying, and this is what I'm saying. God answers that question, how are you robbing God? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. This is pretty great when the Lord Almighty is saying, your crops are going to prosper. Your vines are going to prosper. You're going to test me in this. And we and here's another one of those verses we love. 
throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing there won't be room enough to store it, room enough to contain it, some translations say. But that's predicated on you bringing in the whole tithe to the storehouse. You do that, then you get this. And the Lord even challenges them, says, test me in this. You do what I'm telling you to do, and I'll, I'll bring you blessing. Now, lest we think, and you can go on the internet and find all kinds of debates about tithing. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you could do that if you wanted to. Say, well, that's Old Testament. You know the verse right before this? We start in verse 7. You go right back to verse 6. He starts off by saying, I, the Lord, do not change. Okay. Well, that's rather definitive, isn't it? He starts off by saying, I'm the same God who I was with your ancestors. And he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So this, is, this principle keeps on going. Jesus echoes it in Matthew 23. Now, when I say tithe, what we understand of that being that 10% of what you get, you give to support the Lord, Lord's work. I want to clarify that. I don't want to take for granted everybody is familiar with that. So it was established in the Old Testament, established even before the law, Abraham even, giving his tithe to Melchizedek when God gave him victory. So it even predates the law. It was God blesses you with things, and you take 10% of that, and you give that to the to the, the Lord's work. And that used to be for the temple, or it used to be for the Levites. Now it's for the church to spread the gospel. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus has this whole list. Matthew 23 Jesus really lays out his his issues with the Pharisees. I mean, he just goes right down the list. It's it's quite something to read. Anybody that has this idea that Jesus was just this overly nice person who never said anything harsh or real should read Matthew 23. He says in verse 23 of that chapter, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Real easy to breeze over that part. Oh, yeah, Jesus is dismissing the tithe and saying they should do these instead. No. He's telling them you should have done these things, but you not neglect the tithe either. So lest we have any questions like, well, it's just Old Testament law. No, that's it predates the law, and it was it was still encouraged by Jesus, too. So it's still biblical. Now, as soon as when I talk about tithes, when I talk about giving, we're at a chapter in the church where we have in recent memory had pastors and churches misuse this. We've had the prosperity teachings, we've had the prosperity preachers, we've had People that are just so focused on money, the televangelist and all of that. And I'm very cognizant of that. So I know I want to make sure I'm being clear what, how I'm being different than that. Because that is a, there is a negative thing. And I'm speaking as someone who I was in the prosperity movement for, for years. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Prosperity preachers, I think a lot of them started off with good intentions and a lot of them went into error. When you, and it, giving is not, it's not so that 
pastors can live in multi-million dollar mansions. It's not about, I'm really not that, I don't necessarily like to critique overly how other, how preachers or other ministers spend their money, but I I know it's a bad look. I have to address it because it's a very bad look for the gospel when you when people are so wrapped up in mansions and private jets and things like that instead of spreading the gospel. This message is not about that. Far be it from me because so many of those preachers said, give me a bunch of money and God will bless you and make you rich. Give me all this money and God will make you wealthy. And, the, and only one person got wealthy out of that arrangement. It was the person preaching it, taking the money. And a lot of people have been hurt and wounded by that type of ministry. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme at all. This is Bible-based. God tells us to tithe, and he blesses us for doing so. And when we're faithful to give what he's told us to give, we can claim those promises that he'll meet our needs, provide for us when we need it. It is not some get-rich-quick scheme. I want to be so clear that that's not, I never want to preach something like that. I, I know that's hurt people. I want to make a clear distinction between it. Actually, it doesn't just hurt the people giving. I think it becomes a very big stumbling block for those, those many of those preachers have gotten wealthy end up end up falling, having moral failures. It's a stumbling block for them too. So this is where I want to get, this is where we've been heading. Do you want to trust God to meet your needs? And I want to look at 2 Corinthians because I want us to not just be thinking about God meeting our needs. I want to be blessed to the point to be a blessing to others. You know, actually in 2 Corinthians, God, Paul's writing and God's talking about people being blessed to the point that they're able to be generous to others. And those people will begin to thank God. And I'm going to go ahead. I've got a section here to read, but uh, Tracy, if you want to start kind of getting ready to close out uh, whenever, whenever you are ready. So 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. Uh, this verse, I, t- I tell you, I kind of have, this is more one of those more recent among my favorite verses. Um, in verse 6, remember this. So he's telling the Corinthians, you need to remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I find this so interesting because this is right before God loves a cheerful giver. There's another one of those bumper sticker, T-shirt, meme verse. Maybe a meme is a more modern term, appropriate term for it. Oh, yeah, God loves a cheerful giver. I love that part. But he, he starts off right before he prefaces it with saying, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly 
You know, right? He tells you you need to give, but what's he followed up right with? I want to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. Oh, how about that? You don't want to be generous with, I like the, I love the idea of being, being able to be generous to other people through, so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How about us being blessed to the point that we can help, we can be a blessing to others and they thank God for it? I like to be, how about that being the answer to somebody else's prayer? I like, I love that. How do we get there? Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow generously will reap generously. And he's, he quotes another verse saying, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. They're able to do that because of his abundant blessing. Able to get abundant blessing because we're cheerful givers. So, this is a phrase that kept ringing in my ears every time I was preparing this verse, a message thinking about it. This has been my experience. I'd rather have a blessed 90% than a not blessed 100%. I like my chances a lot better with a, and you say, 10%, that's a lot. I, I know. But my my experience has been I, I like my chances a lot better with a blessed 90% than I do with a my keeping the 100% for myself. So I had, this hit me yesterday uh, as I'm preparing this. I, I typed it out and I went, oh, wow. Uh, kind of like, Lord, you sure about that? And yeah. I want to invite, if you feel like your finances have been under a curse. I want us to pray together over each other. I'd like for, so, if you feel no no judgment at all, this is a harsh economy, harsh inflation. I don't want anybody feeling bad, uncomfortable about it at all. But I would love for us to pray together over our finances to rebuke any curse that's been on finances. But I also want to encourage you to decide. You you may need to make a decision on how you're giving today. Holy Spirit may be may deal with you on that. May have something to say to you on that. Just be open to be open to hearing from the Lord on that. Be open to being obedient to His Word. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I invite anybody who feels they're under financial issues uh, come up. Me, Eddie Keevan, the elders, anybody else feels led, we'll, we'll pray over you. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for your word. Lord, what a wonderful assurance in this troubled time to be able to look at you and say, that is my provider. Not my job, not the government, not the economist. God is my provider. What a wonderful thing to be able to hang on to. But at the same time, Lord, we see your word. We hear you. 
requires faithfulness on our part and obedience on our part. We're listening, Lord. We hear that. And when we see your heart, how much you want us to give so that you can bless us, Lord, it'll create in us a cheerful giving. Teach us, Lord, faithfulness. Continue to show, Lord. You, you laid down the challenge and said, test me in this, Lord. And Lord, I testify here right now, you are faithful. You, you deliver on your word. You are a provider and, and one who blesses abundantly, Lord. I pray, Lord, for more. I know there's several here that have those same testimonies, but I pray, Lord, let, help us be faithful so we have even more of those testimonies, Lord. Way better off following your way, Lord, than our own. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. share a quick story of uh, it's not my testimony but it's a testimony I got to see firsthand in this church uh, lines up with this message and there's a couple a family actually with the church here and the uh, the husband came to me and he was he was losing his source of income his wife was still working but he was losing his income and he didn't know what to do and he said Eddie I feel like I'm gonna have to stop tithing for I'm going to have to stop giving. And, uh, and I look at him, and I'm like, well, I mean, that's between you and God, not between you and me. You need to pray about that. Right? And uh, I told him, look, we're we're not here to beat you up and tell you you have to give us anything. You know, that's, you're giving a, a thing between you and God, whether you give what you do. And uh, he said, well, I just want to let you know. He said, I feel horrible about it. I don't know. You don't have to feel horrible. Like we're going to be, this church will be okay no matter whether you give or not. And I said, I don't want you to think it has anything to do with us. It's between you and God. I said, but you need to sit down and talk to Pastor Rod, see what he can help you with. And so him and Pastor Rod sit down and uh, Rod told him, you know, there's a lot of ways we're supposed to be giving, not just financially, but, you know, time and everything. And so he began serving in the church some and doing different things. And about six or seven weeks later, he's realizing that life is hard, right? The one income they have, like they were getting hit time and time and time again, just more and more struggles coming upon them. And he's just like, this is not, this is not working. And one night he was at home praying about his finances and God said, why will you not trust me? Right? And so the next day he came to church and he gave his tithes. He gave 10% and his wife's like, what are you doing? Like, we need that. And he said, no, we don't. So we're not getting by on 100%. We're not, 90 ain't going to hurt us anymore. And he said, uh, so he began tithing. And I didn't know it. He started tithing for about two or three weeks. And nothing that was coming against him ever changed still under attack. They were still constantly having more and more stuff come against them. But the end of every week, they had money left over. And he couldn't explain it. If you talk to him today, he still can't explain how the money was still there. 
wasn't before. 100% wasn't there, but 90% there was something left over. And the same stuff was going on. And, you know, just like with the Vola, she prayed about a roof. It didn't get, like, God didn't give her the money. He provided a way. When our, when our uh, AC unit went out here, we're like, well, we don't have $15,000, so God strikes it with lightning. And insurance takes care of it. Yeah, an act of God. Right? I so, love it. like, he didn't give us the money. If he did, we probably would have been nervous wrecked to even give it to the AC thing. We would have been scared. But it, uh, he took care of it. And that's what God does. He takes care of our needs without us having to. And, uh, just have to trust him and that's with everything we do if we can trust god he can do what he needs to do so i'm gonna bring jason up here to pray i just wanted to share that thank you eddie that was perfect uh, it reminded me another quick thing i won't drag this long but i uh, as far as being a blessing to other people so there's a point where you know my dad had been out of work uh and I was being laid off from my job at the seminary the time where I was working full time. And I knew, and the day before I was going to be laid off, my dad got a job just in time for us to be provided for. And so I go in and the boss, my, my boss loved me. He was in tears that he had to lay me off because times were hard. And I start, I was fine. And I start telling him, God provided. My, my dad got a job yesterday. We're going to be okay. And that meant that took a load off his shoulders. I'm ministering to the bosses having to lay me off. I mean, that's how weird is that? But I, I was able to bless him as a fellow believer in the Lord by saying, Lord's taking care of us. And I was able to minister to him even though I was losing my job. And the situation we had at that seminary, we didn't have unemployment insurance. So I was out on my own. I got my next paycheck at my next job just as the money ran out from the previous job. We were, I was provided for. And God took care of that, another testimony. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. When God's blessing you, there's a point where you start ministering to other people, even though you're taking, even though you're taking the loss or feel like you would be, you're, you're, you're encouraging the, the fellow believer who has to lay you off and, and is crying because he has to. But you're ministering to him because God's providing. I just want to share that with you. And let's, let's pray and let's head out. Lord, thank you so much for this. Uh, thank you for this testimonies, Lord. Lord, I pray that this word has the effect you want it to have. Remind us of it when we need to be reminded of it. And just thank you, Lord, for the encouragement. And Lord, we want, we want our, we want to be faithful so you can bless us so we can bless others, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I feel like there's not that many of us in here. I could have probably speak without the microphone, but um, I'll speak loudly. No, I don't need to now, though. I got the mic. But um, uh, one thing that whenever um, I started struggling with, um, you know, what, what to tithe and how to tithe, and I would, like, ask God, like, like, I get it, like, okay, there's this element that we got to trust you, and so that's part of what this is about, but why do, you know, and the church needs money, but you don't need it, and, and then the Lord, like, showed me that it's not about even the church's need or, or his need, but that everything that we have already to begin with was already given to us by him, 
So even there's a, there's a level of, of <laughs> there's like every that like God will give to us even without us being faithful. That's how much he cares for us and loves us. And so when we give a little bit back to him, it's not saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you something of mine. It's saying, God, I'm giving back something you gave me in the first place because I'm going to trust that just as you provided all of the stuff I already have, you're going to provide even more um, in the future. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that because I just, it was really encouraging for me to remember that everything I have, including the tithe I give, is already his. Um, and when we give back, it's glorifying and, and thanking him and trusting that he will continue to provide from here on out. <laughs> and he will. He's a good provider. So that was what I wanted to share.